Lord bless you. It is good to be with you this morning. I, I do appreciate the honor of, of coming to speak on, on Pastor Appreciation Day. Uh, I look across the congregation. There are a number of familiar faces, and so it's good to, to be back with you. I, I do want to share just one thing before I get into the message. Uh, I do want to honor Pastor N.R. and, and Miss Sarah. Uh, we have had the distinct pleasure of working together uh, for 20 plus years, uh, just in discipleship. That doesn't mean it's only been 20 years, but we've been in discipleship together, I think now for 20 plus years and have had the distinct pleasure of, of working together. I pulled a, a little note that, um, I had read earlier in the month, uh, thinking on pastor appreciation. Um, Bishop Tommy McGee had written this and, and shared it with us as a denomination um, a pastor's role is about being and doing. Scripture admonishes us to know that those who labor among us, we are to honor them. First Thessalonians 5 and 12 says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. He did an acrostic to sort of give an overview of, of the pastor. said, pastor is the preacher. He exalts Jesus Christ. He's an administrator. He establishes structure. He is a shepherd. He encourages and leads, keeps watch over his flock. He is a teacher. He equips the saints that they can do the work. He is an overseer. He's to examine the spirit the spirits and to lead. He's a restorer. He is to extend the staff to care for all along the way. The work and burden of these servants of God has never been greater. One of the greatest needs of our pastors today, and, and one of the things uh, I did pastor, I pastored for 29 years before I assumed the role as discipleship ministries director, and I've been doing that now uh, for the last 11 years. I loved the years I pastored. Uh, what I am so thankful for today and I love about what I get to do is that I get to serve the pastors because for me, the pastors are those great heroes who are serving on the forefront, leading, guiding, directing, and caring. So as you think about what you can do for your pastor, not only today, and I honor you for what you're doing today. You're to be applauded. But as I can share with you from Brother McGee some things that he shared with us, um, and I try to remember these things for my own pastor, um, because I am very fortunate to have a pastor um, in my role even today. Actually, I still, I still to this day call the man who, who pastored me when I was a teenager. Uh, as one of my pastors today. But let me encourage you. Um, continue to pray for your pastor and his family. Um, I can only imagine today the things that their families are walking through. The burdens they bear. We all need to examine our expectations. Uh, Alicia, you walked all over my morning message today. Uh, so it just it just confirmed in my spirit that I was right and we're on the track, right track. Uh, we talked about in Sunday school about examining our expectations of ourselves, but examine the expectations of your pastor. Find your place in ministry. There's nothing that excites a pastor more. I remember from my days than for individuals in the church to rise up to realize and understand their calling to step into that. And give their whole heart. And just be the child of God that God's called you to be. Uh, as we do those things, you'll never know how much they assist, help, lead, guide, and direct, and encourage your pastor. Today, I want to, before I get into the message, because I don't want to forget to do this. Because uh, for me, this is the great thing about being here today. Uh, because I'm here to share not only in this pastor appreciation, but this is a friend of mine. Uh, who has who has walked many a journey with me, uh, shared many a thought and many a phone call. But I want to take my time. And, and here's the reality. Um, I know that 
there are two things. Well, actually, I'm going to say there are three things that have attributed to my success. First of all, it is God and what He has done in my life. I confirm and declare today I would not be here had it not been for the God that I serve. Secondly is my wife, uh, who has been a strength and a support and an encouragement uh, and many times has um, kept me in the right way, but has stood beside me and has quietly and faithfully served not only me, but the churches we've pastored and the jobs we've been called to. So today I not only honor NR, but I honor Miss Sarah as well. And then I would be amiss if I didn't attribute part of my my success today to my mother uh, and her encouragement and her prayers. But will you today join me in celebrating and honoring NR and Sarah Taylor? I believe when we as the body of Christ do that, it releases something in the kingdom. Uh, I believe as much as when pastors encourage and honor their, their leaders in their church, but when you as a congregation choose to honor uh, that man of God and his wife, it releases a blessing upon the house of God. And so I just want to say thank you to NR, uh, not only for his service to the church and Sarah, uh, but their service to the conference, their service to Pam and I, um, they they we worked side by side in that dormitory for many a year and on those campgrounds. But I honor them today. May God bless them. They are so deserving of this time today. I want to share with you a, a thought that I've been working with. Uh, I, I would really, if I'm honest with you, and, and I want to try to be that, be a little transparent today. Um, the, the concept, the whole thought of what I'm bringing to you has been something that has actually been working in my spirit for the last 11 years. Uh, it's something that God began to deal with me when I assumed this role and this position. And we say good morning to all of those who are joining us by Facebook who will be watching us later. We're so glad to have you with us here. Um, drop a note to Pastor N.R. and Miss Sarah today. But it's a word that God has been working in my spirit for now for about 11 years. Just trying to give me guidance and direction. Um, I, I, I do know that I am better today because of what God has been doing in my life. Um, secondly, um, the, the thrust of what I really want to share with you today is something that God began in my heart and my spirit about six months ago. Um, and so I just want to encourage you. I want to share some things with you this morning. If you'll stand with me for just a moment as we read. There, there are three passages of Scripture I want to share with you this morning. And I'm going to try to tie all of those together in some words and thoughts. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was... He was in the beginning with God. All these things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I made a note during worship that I want to share. Uh, and let me say thank you to the worship team for, for just a tremendous thing. I, I'm so thankful for the reality of a God who is everlasting, all-consuming. He is all, God Almighty. He is the Lord of glory. In Hebrews, you know, there never was a time that He wasn't. There was no beginning. There will never be an end. He just always was. I'm going to tell you something. I've come to a point in a place in my life after 63 years. I don't have to understand it all. But by faith, I receive it. I acknowledge it. I profess it. I declare it. My God always was and always will be. He never had a beginning. He will never have an end. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will always be there and He will always be God. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the world may proclaim. My reality exists in the reality of a God who was, is, always will be, and who loves me and is more than able and more than enough for whatever I need. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, 
For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of morrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Understand this. Just as God always has been, always will be. This is His Word. And there is a power and an ability. It is living and moving and real. If we will open our hearts and our minds and let God speak to us. And then last but not least, and this is going to hit on us in Sunday school, Miss Alicia. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, it says, actually begin at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to pulling, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But he who glorifies, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask you, Father God, by your word to speak into our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. We're asking you, Lord, to give us guidance, direction, wisdom, and knowledge. Father God, this morning as we stand in your presence, we ask that we shall be changed, renewed, and remade into that image that brings praise and glory and honor and that will magnify you. Father God, never have we before as we today need you like we need you today. Never before, Father God, have we needed you to speak like we need you to speak today. So, Father God, this morning as we gather, as we turn aside from the things of the world, as we close and give you our undivided attention, Father God, as you know who we are, where we are, and what we need, we're asking you, Father God, to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Greet your neighbor. Tell them you're glad to see them. Give them a way to fist bump, whatever you do. But isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? There are some realities I've come to at this stage in this place of my life. I've come one to realize that age is a wonderful thing. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. But also the older I get, the more I'm willing to allow God to speak because I understand I don't have all the answers. And I'm going to be upfront and honest and confess to you this morning, I don't have all of the answers. But the truth is in the day and the hour and the time we're living, I know one who does have all of the answers. I know one who has walked with us up until this point. I know one who is standing in this day, this hour, and this time with us. But I also know one that has gone before us who is preparing the way for us. And so I confess to you this morning, because of Him, we can live and move and have our being and we can find our way as we move ahead. Never has there been a time in the church, never has there been a time in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, never has there been a time, even in a world that may reject Him, that we need God to speak. I'll be up front with you. You don't need another word from me. But you do need another word from God. You don't need me to excite you and thrill you and move you. But you do need God. You don't need me to show up. But you do need Him to show up. You do need a pastor that will draw you together week after week, month after month, year after year. Because there's something about the assembling together that encourages and strengthens us and provides a platform for God to speak. But you also need a private place. 
Because as much as my vanity would say, I'm enough. I'm not enough. What you're going to get this morning is not going to be enough. It's a little to get you to the next step. So while you need this this morning, you also need that private place with God where you commune with God and you get a word for yourself. And I'm learning more and more every day of my life. If I am willing to invest in the private time with God, it will make this corporate time so much richer, so much sweeter, and so much better. So that becomes your responsibility. I think differently at this stage of my life. There are two things I've come to realize. Since I'm about to the halfway point, well, I'm at the halfway point. I'm anticipating to live to about 125. I've had 63 wonderful years. I anticipate i got about 40 more good ones to go. And then about 20-something that everybody will just have to tolerate me, okay? I'm going to trip over this before I get through today. But as I move to what I consider the mid-season of my life, I have two great objectives in my life. First and foremost, I want to finish well. Uh, I, I'll tell you, and don't ask me questions why, but, but right now I'm doing a study for per, me personally uh, on, on self-control. Don't ask no questions, just give it to Jesus, okay? I love taking words and tracing them through the Scripture to see what God says. So as I learn this and think about finishing well, because in that one of those scriptures I've been studying on in the last few days is this. Why would I want to preach and do all that I do for others and then lose the reward for myself? I want to finish well. I want to come to a point and a place and a time that when I lay down all of now, now not tomorrow, See, I, I'm not one of those people that is praying, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm praying, Lord, hang on, hold on, wait a little while longer. And not because I'm selfish, but I'm asking God to give us more time because there's too many people that are not ready to meet Jesus. And I'm saying, God, give us another day. Give us another opportunity. Give us another service. Give us another sermon. Give us another interaction with an individual and allow us to lead them. Lord, help us to prepare a better bride. Lord, I want to finish well and I want others to finish well and I want to carry them with me. Timothy said, fight the good fight, finish the course, keep the faith. In our, I've tried to look at, don't say, we talked about, and don't say be perfect. It don't say make, don't make mistakes. But what it did say is that regardless of what comes your way, don't quit, don't give up, don't give in, don't let go. Matthew chapter 24 verse 13 says, To him who endures to the end, he shall be saved. I want to endure. Most of us don't want to endure. Because endure means that while we feast on the good and the great we also push through the hard and the difficult and and I'm here to tell you between here and glory there's going to be a lot of good and great but there's going to be some bad and difficult too but I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish the course. I want to keep the faith. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to run to win. According to Philippians 3, I'm going to keep pressing for the mark. I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let down. See, we've got to take a position of determination. 
And it's a little easier for me to do this as I've come to understand and realize as I fight the good fight of faith, the Lord is fighting my battles for me. I just got to get behind the one that's leading. Colossians tells me, if I'm going to finish well, I've got to walk worthy. In Galatians, he tells me, I can't afford to grow weary. I get tired. I get frustrated. If I'm honest, there are days I probably get aggravated and just plain out mad, okay? Come on, if you can't confess it, God can't forgive it and can't get you past it, okay? But I've yet to come to a point, see, because weariness says I'm ready to give up. And I've had my days of lying flat on my face. And I can't promise you I won't be laying there tomorrow. But I can promise you if I find myself laying flat on my face, well, I'm going to be up front. First thing I'm going to do is lay there and whine just a little bit. Come on, can't confess it, you can't get past it. I'm going to whine a little bit, okay? But I'm going to get up, I'm going to dust myself, I'm going to keep going. Because I'm not giving up. I've invested... I've seen, I've experienced, I've had too much of God's favor to quit now. Two things I want to do. One, finish well. And secondly, I want to leave a legacy for my children and my grandchildren. Well, let's say my grandchild. Pastor Nor NR asked me, he said, Ron, you got a PowerPoint? You got anything? I said, no. See, it's not fair to you for me to do a PowerPoint. It's unfair for you to look at three three pictures of scriptures and eighty seven pictures of my grandson. Okay, I'm gonna tell you he's it. Okay, in uh, R and Sarah know our grandsons. I mean, Rowan has just said he's our only grandchild. Tell you up front now, he is not spoiled. Listen, listen, because he's spoiling is a curse. But I will not deny the child is extremely blessed. <laughs> See, you gotta speak the things of God, okay? But I want to leave a legacy. There are a lot of things I can do. There's a lot of things I want to leave my children and my grandchild. But I'm failing them and I'm failing God if I don't leave them a spiritual legacy to follow. I wish I had time this morning, and I would t- because I, one of the things I do in, is I, I journal now a lot of scripture, and I'm thinking that Lord willing, one day my children open those books that Daddy's been writing in, and they'll start reading those scriptures and those things. Uh, I, I mark up my Bible a lot. Let me just give you a little commercial break here. You can write in it and still get to heaven. Okay, it's okay. He is not, you know, mark this thing up. And I have Bibles that, that pages are coming out of. Scriptures have been underlined. They've been dated. God spoke this. God said this. This is what God declared. And I'm praying that one day my children will pick those up and they'll read them. Uh, I'm learning to do some things differently. I'm learning that when, my, when I'm with my children, before I leave them, I'm learning to pray with them. I'm learning to, listen, I'm learning to pray with my mama before I get off. To, I don't get to see my mama a lot, but I try to pray with my mama. Uh, listen. It's about establishing legacy. It's about sharing Jesus Christ. And mamas and daddies look at me. Grandmamas and granddaddies look at me. You've got to take every opportunity you have to sow a seed and leave a legacy in your children. So two things I want. I want to finish well and I want to leave a legacy. And so I'm asking God, how do I do this? And I read that scripture where he says that the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God. So I've been asking God, that's what I want to, I'm going to give you three weapons today. I would love to share with you the, the whole concept, you know, and, and I may have shared this with you over the years, but when God started this, it was all about what is the voice of the church. The voice of the church today, listen to me, and I'm going to get in, I'm going to give you three weapons and seed you over to eat, okay? You got to understand the voice of the church has to be salvation today more now than ever. More than now than ever, we need to be proclaiming that Jesus Christ saves. Listen to me. If we don't believe that the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is still able to save the lost, we need to close the doors, lock them, get out of the Savior. Because there's no... Listen, today people... 
every day are meeting Jesus Christ face to face. Every day people are looking for answers. I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of things I don't know, but this I do know. I have the answer to what the world is walking through. And that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus saves. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how deep and ugly you've got. Jesus saves. And I'm going to tell you a little. Everybody look at me. Look at me. You on Facebook? You look at what? Look at me. If you're here today, if you're watching this, there's only one reason you're here today or watching this. And that's because Jesus Christ, if you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the day to do it. Not tomorrow, not next week. Today, Jesus saves. I'm here to tell you the life of the church has to again become sanctification and holiness. Living the life that God has called us to live. I don't care how the world lives. God's called us to live differently. And the third thing you have to understand, you live the life that God has called you to live and you stay saved by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you and enables you. That's a freebie this morning, okay? So let's talk about the weapons of our warfare. Number one, in these days, and listen, just give you a, a clarification. I'm not talking about the pandemic days. I'm not talking about the COVID days. I'm talking about the days from now till we make our home in heaven. If you're going to endure, if you're going to finish well, here's what you got to do. You got to dig into the Word of God. You've got to dig in. This is God's promise for you. This is God's declaration over you. This is where God reveals Himself to you and where you find out who you are in Him. This is God's instruction book for every one of us. You gotta dig in. So it's, I, it's how it's when I dug into the Word that I began to understand I needed Jesus Christ. For the Word of God says, you go back to that Roman road, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it also tells us, not only does this Word tell me that I'm a sinner, it reminds me that if I don't do something about the sin in my life, the wages of that sin is death. But here is the hope found in the Word, that through Jesus Christ, while I was yet a sinner, God commended His love for me. I don't understand this, but some 2,000 years ago when the Son of God God ascended to the cross. He looked through the eons of time and He saw me and He took my sin and nailed it to the cross. I wasn't saved at 14. But at 14 years of age, I appropriated by faith what had been done for me on that cross at Calvary. And I'm walking in the promise of my salvation. Why? Because His Word in John tells me, or in Romans 10 says, If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And He will cleanse me of all unrighteousness. How do I know those things to be true? Because the Word of God says so. And I'm walking in the power and the promise of His Word. you got to dig into the Word. I used to use that, and well, I still do. I use the analogy about the cow chewing the cud. I've used that for a lot of years and never understood what I was saying, okay? I'd heard it, thought, well, that sounds good. I'm going to use that, okay? So I thought when I began to, about six months ago, when God began to deal with me on this, I said, if I'm going to preach this around the conference, I better know what I'm talking about, okay? When I got to studying about the cow chewing the cud, here's what happens. The cow gets in that pasture and he finds that really sweet, rich, green grass. And he'll get over there and he'll start chewing it up. And says he'll chew that up and says the cow has about seven layers of digestion. And he'll chew that grass up and he'll deposit it, he'll swallow it. And it sets in that first level of digestion. But that cow's like a lot of us. 
It gets tired of being out there, so it goes over and it finds him a cool, shady place. And he sits down. And what the cow does is he regurgitates that grass and he starts chewing it again. And he'll chew and he'll chew and he'll chew till that grass becomes a sweet, milky-like substance that strengthens and enriches his body. And I'm here to tell you, as the last time I looked, there were no golden archers over the book. What we've got to learn to do, instead of trying to get from point A to point B, we've got to try to, it's like driving up here somebody we talked about, about driving up here this morning how how beautiful you know we take our time and we enjoy the scenery I'm here to I mean, listen I want you to read cover to cover but I'm more concerned with you getting in the word and letting God speak to you and it's time for us to dig in and find that and begin to chew on it and gnaw on it and think on it and dwell on it and let God speak and find strength and encouragement it's time to dig in the Word. You're, you're blessed to have the man of God and woman of God that you do leading you, guiding you, and directing you. But in 30 or 45 minutes, he nor no other pastor can give it all to you. And so you need to find a place on your turf that you begin to open these pages. How many of you, Grandma, when you'd go to Grandma's house on Sunday, Grandma had that little plastic loaf of bread. And you'd pull the Scripture out. Get your Word. What we've done is we've replaced the plastic loaf of bread with open Bible concept. You know, where you just throw it out there and wherever it opens to, that's the Word of God for you. You need to dig in. You need to get in and stay there till God speaks. And then when God gives you a word, circle it, underline it, put a date on it, have you a notebook, start writing that. Write, you, know, you, you know why I write scripture down? Because I'm 63 years of age and I don't always remember. But if I write it down, I'm giving it another opportunity to settle in my mind and my heart and my spirit. It gives me something to go back to. You know, actually, and, and I'm just going to be up front with you. The, the, these scriptures I'm studying, i got about ten scriptures right now I'm studying on self-control. And as I begin to study, God said, Ronnie, for the next ten days, I want you to write these ten scriptures every day. But you know what's happening? That word is getting into my mind. When I was in college, Sister Gertrude Diller, now gone on to be with Jesus, she was my Christian education teacher. And she made us memorize three scriptures every week. And it wasn't that we memorized, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But we had to remember, capital F for God, capital G, so loved the world, semicolon. You don't know, I, that, that semester or that quarter in college, I learned 32 scriptures. You know those scriptures I can easily recall today. Those scriptures that I spent time. Listen, you dig in, get in. God will settle that word in your heart, in your spirit. And when you need it, God's going to bring it back. Can I make a, can I make a possible, see I, I hate to make declarations and statements because I don't know, you may be better than I was, okay? The reality is so often when we get in that situation, we don't have a word to carry us through because we've not put anything in. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not putting something in, you're not going to pull something out. And I'm here to tell you it's time for us, if we're going to endure in the days that lay ahead, if the, listen, Anybody believe what God said is going to happen is going to happen? Then I'm here to tell you it's time to dig into the Word. Because in the Word, God's going to begin to give you the resource for whatever you're going to face. I'll tell you a little secret. I'm not psychic. Don't have a crystal ball. I used to think I could call down fire from heaven and walk on water. I can walk on water as long as it sits out there in the parking lot. Or when I lived on the river, I could because I knew where the rocks were. The reality is I know where the rock is today so I can walk on water. But I'm here to tell you, I don't know what you're going to face when you leave here today. But God does. And if you'll start digging into the Word, you're going to be reading something. Why am I reading this? Why am I reading this? This don't have nothing to do with me. God said, put it in your reserve. 
the day, the hour, the time's going to come when you're going to need it. And I'm going to pull it back out for you. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Will you give God something to work with? Will you give, will you dig into God's Word? Listen, I, verses you read in 14 chapter, I'm sorry Pastor NR if I'm upsetting your Bible reading program. And I, I'm the DM director, I promote Bible reading and I want you to read it from cover to cover. But I'd much rather you take one scripture and just let God tear it apart in your heart and your spirit and in your mind and give you something that'll carry you. See, as I dig into the Word, it's in digging into the Word that I begin to realize who He was. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah Seed Canoe. He's my righteousness. See, I understand that one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for my life. God's going to look at me and I'm so thankful that when God looks at me, He's going to look at the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been imputed to me. He is my... Listen, I can't, but He can. It is His righteousness imputed to me. He is Jehovah. He is the God who will sanctify, will cleanse, will purify, will set me apart. But in order for Him to be the God, who sanctifies me I've got to open up and let him come in and let him clean house we've been working in a situation and I won't call names because I'll get in trouble of getting rid of some stuff and I have a friend that don't want to get rid of anything but it's time to get rid of some stuff look at me church It's time for us to dig into the Word, let God walk in, and let God get rid of some stuff in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's God, my peace. It's again, well, I just talked about, where was Jesus when, when, you know, the disciples were out there in the boat on the sea and the waves began to toss back and forth? I used to always say, He's in the back of the boat sleeping. It's not scriptural. The scripture says He was in the front of the boat taking the brunt of the storm. But He was asleep. Because he knew God was in control. See, real peace is what you have when the storms come and when the storm stays. And that's who he is. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He's not only with me today, but he's already in tomorrow getting ready for me. He's Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Again, that's a misinterpretation of the scripture. It's not that God provides. See, I've come to understand there's one thing for God to be able to do it. It's another thing for God to do it. And when you understand Jehovah Jireh, it says He's the God whose provision will be seen. It's not just that God says He's going to do it. God does it. So as I dig into the Word, I get to know Him. And as I dig in the Word, you know what else I get to know? I get to know who I am in Him. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the first, not the last. I'm victorious. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a son of the Most High God. And what gives me strength, Alicia, you know what calms in anxiety in our life? As we are able to declare who we are in Jesus Christ. See, I have the choice. I can listen to the lie of the enemy or I can listen to the truth of God. Your weapon of warfare today, the Word. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Let God write it on the tablets of your heart. Second thing is this. Some of our, some of you my age will remember this. We used to talk about it a lot. Second weapon. You gotta press into prayer. Listen, I'm not talking about praying. Again, for some reason, we've allowed somebody to construct golden arches over the prayer closet. You pull in, pull out, keep going. You need to press into prayer. There's a story. You remember, you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Story says he prayed three times. Went to pray, talked to God, come back, and the disciples were asleep. He wakes them up, says, come on, keep, hang in here with me, hang in here with me. He goes back, prays again, comes back, disciples are sleeping, he just leaves them, goes back the third time. Go back and read that third time, and, and it's sometime you really ought to settle in and, and just ponder John 16 and 17. Because do you understand in that priestly prayer in the garden, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was praying for you? Don't believe me. Read the scripture. It says, And Jesus prayed for those who were with Him, but also those who would follow Him because of the work these would do. 
He was praying for us in the garden. The Word says He went back the third time to that place in the garden. And the Word says He had nothing left to give. It was just as though great drops of blood as sweat was pouring forth from Him. And all He had was the gutterings and the groanings and the moanings of His inner spirit that were reaching. But you got to understand, when He had nothing left to give, the Spirit began to pray through Him. And the Spirit knew what to pray when He didn't know to pray. I'm here to tell you, if we're going to exist by the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit, we've got to know when we've got nothing left. But groans and moans, sometimes tears, God understands. God understands. And there are days, Nathan, I question if we've even begun to pray till we get to the point we don't have nothing left to say but just the cry of our heart and our spirit to God. It's time to press into prayer. See, prayer is where heaven and earth meet. Prayer is where God and man commune. Prayer is where the spirit of the spirit is released in man. We talk about Jesus in the garden. You go back to Genesis and read the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel, and he says, "I'll not let go till you bless me." And he said, "Today you're going to be changed." In this altercation, Jacob was changed. I'm here to tell you, if we'll get in that prayer closet and begin to press in, some of us are going to be changed. We're going to come out victorious. We're going to defeat the enemy. But you've got to press into prayer. James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man produces a whole lot. That's my translation, okay? But also I love the story of Jairus and his daughter. Somehow Jairus had come to the understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. I think it's through what he'd heard and as he had prayed and talked to the Father. But when he went to Jesus and Jesus, my daughter needs to be healed. Jesus said, come on, let's go. Jairus said, "Uh uh-uh, you don't need to go. You just speak it and it's going to happen. That's the kind of faith that rises up in a prayer closet. There's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She had done all she she knew to do, but she heard about Jesus. And she said, if I can but get to him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, it's going to be okay. I can see that woman getting flat of her belly and pushing through the dirt and the muck and the mire, being stepped on and kicked and pushed aside. But she knew, I'm here to tell you, if we'll take the position and the attitude that we're not going to come out till we get a hold of the hem of his garment, we're going to see our lives changed. Your second weapon is prayer. Press in. Press in. Press in. And can I tell you something? We, we, we've been deceived by the enemy. We think prayer is something that can only be done on our knees with our eyes closed. You need to stay in an attitude of prayer as you're driving down the road, as you're working on your job. You can still be talking to God. I understand, and this is my personal opinion, okay? So if there's somebody you need to crucify, you crucify me, okay? I understand that due to some stupid things, prayer left our school system. And we keep saying, put prayer back in, put prayer back, put prayer back in. And we think the only way to put prayer back in is to put a preacher on the microphone in the office. You want to put prayer back in school? Teach your child to pray. And teach your child to pray that's sitting there right there at this. They don't have to call down fire from heaven. They don't have to scream and holler. But just there in their heart and their spirit. As they're getting ready. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that you're going to bless me as I take this test today. Lord, I just thank you you're going to watch over me. We want to put prayer and the word back in school. We'll just put it in our kids. They're the vessels that are going to carry it in. I'm through. I'm off my soapbox now, okay? Third thing, if you're going to dig in the Word and you're going to press into prayer, here's your last thing. Madison, you can come on to the piano. Here's the last weapon I'm going to give you. And there are probably many other weapons. These are just the three that God's put in my heart and spirit. 
that it's time for us, if we're going to exist, if we're going, if we're going to finish well in this day, you got to get in the Word. You got to get into prayer. But when you're through, you need to rise up in praise. You need to rise up. See, what praise is, praise is our response to what God has spoken out of the Word and what God has spoken in the prayer closet. Praise is our declaration of faith. Praise is our yes and amen. Praise is our agreement with what God has spoken, with what the Spirit has revealed, with what His Word has confirmed. It's us saying, yes, Lord! And you know, I got to thinking, you know, after God gave me this message, I got to going back through some notes because I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, how are we going to rise up in faith? When a lot of times we're, we're doing all we can to hold on. How do you rise up in faith? Three simple quick things. After God has spoken in His Word, as God has met you in prayer, you rise up with a shout. You rise up with a praise. You rise up in faith. Why? Because you're going to rely on God's promise. Listen. It really helped my heart and my, it really helped my emotional well-being, Alicia, when I realized I didn't have to do it. God said He would. God said He would. God said He'd fight my battles for me. God said He'd be my peace. God said He'd be my provision. God said He'd be my righteousness. He said His banner over me is love. See, I've come to the realization Nobody else loves me. God does. I can rely. I can rely on God's promise. I can rely on God's provision. I'm sorry. I can rely on three pieces. His promise. I can rely on His presence. I've shared this story so many times. I was saved at the age of 14. That's, I was probably saved or made a walk before 14, but 14's where it finally began to sink in and take hold. I grew up in a wonderful church, Taylor Memorial Pentecostal Holiness Church, Glen Street, Anderson, South Carolina. Monday night in a red room. We called it the red room because the carpet was red. That's how you name rooms in the olden days, okay? But that night I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now I said I grew up in a wonderful church. And I've, I've shared the story for years. Many a Sunday we young people would go back to an altar and rededicate our life. And that church would just gather around us, lay hands on us and pray for us. Because they knew God had something. If they keep praying, God would get us there. Actually there were times... We would be we would rededicate Sunday morning and Sunday night depending on what we did Sunday afternoon. But see, we knew the answer was God. And here's the thing I've lived with now for 49 years from when I made what I truly believe my profession of faith and asked Jesus to come into my life. For the last 49 years, I've relied on God's presence, God's provision, in God's promise. See, I know that God said, Barney, if you give your life to me, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Have I been perfect for the last 49 years? No. Have I taken God some places He probably didn't want to go? Probably so. But He's gone. Why? Because He made me a promise He wouldn't leave me. And see, I stand here today preaching because of the promise, the provision, and the presence of an almighty God that loved me and kept me for the last 49 years. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time for us, the church of Jesus Christ, to rise up with a shout. It's time, listen, it's time for us to get back into the Word. Dig in, dig in, find what God In our, I'm just naive enough still at this age of my life to believe if we ask God, He'll speak to us. If you'll invite the Holy Spirit into your study of the Word, He'll start talking to you. 
See, I've learned the Holy Spirit is more than tongues. It's more than a shout, more than a run, more than a jump. It's understanding and wisdom and knowledge and leadership and guidance and direction. And so, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. Walk me where I need to be. It's time to dig in the Word. It's time to press into prayer. I'm so thankful I can be honest with God. I can hit my knees and say, God, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know when. God, I can't control the way I'm feeling right now. I need you. I need you. And if I'll stay with it, if I keep seeking, because the Word of God says, ask, seek, knock. God, I'm here again. I'm here again, God. But God keeps showing up. And I'm here this morning to lift up a shout that God is faithful to His Word. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because I need to do this. It's the reason God... It's Honestly, it's the reason I feel God gives me to, to preach one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you a question. You're the only person that can answer this question. I want you to look deep in your heart, in your mind. I want to know something. Are you ready to meet Jesus? If it's all said and done, listen, see, I've asked God to give us more time, but all I, God could lift the trumpet today, the trumpet come, Christ ascend, and we'd be out of here. I'm asking, are you ready? We don't know when. Are you ready to meet Jesus? If today were your appointed time, do you have any questions about the salvation of your soul? Can you say, Pastor Ron, if God comes right this minute, I'm ready to go. If you can't say that, and this morning you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand and put it back down. God sees. God sees your heart. Would you make a declaration? Would you say yes to Jesus? If you're not ready, would you say yes to Jesus this morning? 